Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity, and I'm your host, Gary Turner. I'm also the founder of HexoChange, and HexoChange is a transformational change practice dedicated to helping you connect to yourself, to others, and to systems at large in a more meaningful way, thus helping us turn around our workplace and planetary challenges and accelerating how alive we all feel in every aspect of our lives. This track is called Kaleidoscope and was created for me personally and for HexoChange by Peter Griffiths, one half of the amazing Mind Takeaway. I hope you enjoy this exploration and please do share it on your social platforms so we can bring more humanity to more people. Hope to speak to you soon. We are now recording. Very good. Well, I want to welcome all of you to the Truly Human Conversations. And Gary Turner and I are gathering people really from all over the globe and pulling in different groups of conversations to go deep into topics that are sometimes tricky and thorny to discuss. And I really appreciate all of you stepping into this with your insight, your experience, and the work that you're doing to help people gain better understanding and to find the path forward as we go through these troubling times. Um, I first want to introduce all of you and, you know, as I welcome you in. Heather Younger is with us and you know Heather is a person that I've known for some time and I can say that she simply gets it and as a best-selling author and international speaker podcast host and facilitator and coach she's earned her reputation as the employee whisperer her experiences as a CEO entrepreneur manager attorney writer coach great listener speaker and collaborator she's also a uh, a mother and um, all those things lend themselves to her laser focused clarity into what makes employees of organizations and companies, large and small, what makes them tick. Heather's facilitated more than 350 workshops, reaching thousands of employers and employees. And her philosophy has reached more than 10,000 attendees or, at her speaking engagements um, on both large and small, uh, both large and small stages. Heather brings a tenacious and humorous outlook at issues plaguing the workforce of today. Her first book, The Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty, hit the Forbes must-read list and is a go-to source for HR professionals seeking insight into their organization's dynamics. I will also say that Heather is in the process of launching her second book and maybe she can tell us a little bit about that as we go into the conversation um, also it's important to know that when all the emails returned and the mics off and and heather um, acts as a co-manager of her busy household in aurora Cal colorado with her husband where they oversee their activities of their four children and i know heather joins us today with two of her children in activities and uh, two sitting quietly with her as uh, we get into this. So, right. welcome. Thank you. Exciting. And uh, 
Cordelia Gaffar is with us today also. And, and Cordelia is an emotions opener transformation strategist, guiding women leaders to use their darkest and most difficult emotions to show up powerfully. Cordelia is a powerhouse global best podcast host of 2019 in the UK and the ACHI Magazine Volunteer of the Year and finalist for Top Influencer and Orator of the Year. She's a best-selling co-author of America's Leading Ladies who positively impact the world with several other dynamic women. So far in 2020, she has hit the bestseller again with One Habit for Success, Smart Femme Edition by Leah Woodford. Her own book related to her Replenish Me process will be released later in this year, 2020. After leaving her corporate career as a controller for an IT startup, she homeschooled her six children, which involved coordinating activities in homeschooling community, running Girl Scout and Boy Scout troops, and much more. Having already had two miscarriages and postpartum depression, juggling a family and high-pressure career, she emerged as an author sharing how to self-nurture in the guide to how to get started with workout around my day. She began coaching women in her community, deepening her craft with continuing research and study in nutrition, fitness, spiritual practices, and overall emotional wellness. She's now the official sponsor of She Phoenix, Femme Phoenix LTD in South Africa, to advocating for child, girl, teenage girls, young women rights to a better education, health, and life. She's also a member of the Harlem Wellness Network. And we're excited to have you with us today also, Cordelia. Thank you, Mike. And Brooke Errol is with us, and I'm happy to see you again, Brooke. And all the work that we've done together, we've had a chance to do several of the Humans First events together. Um, we know that you started your career with IBM following a traditional path um, that you had been given defining what is successful. And after leaving that great job, um, which was a great job on paper, as you describe, after 11 years, um, where you were feeling that not, that you were not aligned with that as as your as your mission and your journey. Brooke then started her journey to find a purpose in life. She started her first business in 2003, Your Best Life, to help professionals who don't like their jobs and want to find more meaning at work. After being around so many unhappy people at work as her clients, she decided to help organizations and leaders who employed them. She started her second business, Purposeful Business, to help leaders catch up with our times and grow their business without sacrificing the well-being of their people. Where profit becomes a byproduct rather than the main goal. She believes life is too precious to live only for the weekends and retirement. She is the author of Create a Life You Love. She's also the co-author of from hierarchy to high performance, unleashing the hidden superpowers of ordinary people to realize extraordinary results. That became an international bestseller in 2018. 
Brooks speaks and writes about leadership, purpose-driven life, and organizations, and the future of work in the U.S. and abroad. And it's really phenomenal when you think of the experiences that you've had, how each of you have reached out so beautifully, boldly, broadly to share those experiences and meaning and purpose with others. And now we're at a time where we're seeing ourselves in some challenging times, right? It started with the pandemic that sent everybody home and, and put all of our um, future plans in, into, a, into a tailspin and some um, disruption in some form. And, and then we had the necessary unrest and upheaval, I will say, that followed um, the George Floyd murder here in my hometown of Minneapolis. And that struck a chord all across the globe and really brought, hopefully, in a significant way, real conversations about driving change in how we view others around the world, what our belief systems, how systemically we've seen the oppression and racism and even some of the shadow issues that um, we've experienced for a long time. And I think we go in and, and, and dive right into that today. And, um, but first I wanna start with a couple of rounds. And, and one of the questions I'll, I'll ask you to share with, with the listeners today is, what is the curiosity that brings you into this conversation today? And Heather, I think we can start with you, if that's okay. Sure. Um, well, I think you know this already, Mike, that there are very few places you can ask me to go to that I won't go with you. So let's just say that first. Thank you. Um, and so I'm always going to be interested in, in having those conversations that, that uh, where you're there. And I also know the gathering is always going to be good. So that, that would be, I'd say, the first point for me. Um, I think, secondly, I always like to bring just my unique voice to the, to the conversation because I don't think it's uh, one-sided or the other. Um, and so I, I always want to have kind of that positive spin to things. And there's realism there, but I think there's a lot of hope. And so I think I wanted to have that conversation and come to the conversation to make sure that hope stayed there at the front and center. Beautiful. Thank you, Heather. Cordelia, how about for you? What comes up from you, for you? So for me, you know, I was just curious because there's a lot of talking about a lot of things these days. And so I was really intrigued with the title, Q-H-U-E, man, right? Um, but I just wanted to make sure that we actually stay present with the solution finding and the healing instead of being windbags, bringing up stuff that we can't support. Yeah. Right on with that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it sounds like the right thing, doesn't it? And, and yet it's kind of a challenge for all of us to stay in there because there's discomfort with that. Um, and, and so I really appreciate the, the, the strength and voice you're, you're bringing with that. And for you, Brooke, what comes up for, for you? Yes, first of all, thanks for inviting me and being with all of you, it means a lot to me. 
And I almost feel like I don't want us to lose the moment. Like we were thinking about that as the COVID was starting to teach us a lot of things individually or in organizations. We don't want to miss that part. But now with this, for the first time, we are creating so much awareness, not only in the United States, but all around the world. So that's why like, okay, let's talk more, let's do more, but let's not lose the moment. So the curiosity comes from that. And of course, a lot of things that we can learn about this topic, which is dear to my heart, because as an immigrant myself, I came here believing that racism and all these conversations behind the history of the United States. So that even makes me think even more from a different perspective, why I chose to live here. And so that brings me another level of curiosity for being an immigrant who came here is in my adult life. So not being born here. You know, it's so powerful and beautiful, Brooke, is, you know, how do we get stuck in this belief that this is behind us and we've moved on and then it keeps rearing its face. Um, and we find ways to move beyond it again and suppress it. And um, I think that's the great opportunity here. And I'll just say for myself as, you know, a white man that grew up in the era where um, these issues weren't um, taught in schools, we didn't, we didn't really address them. I come from, you know, Minneapolis, Minnesota and a suburb of, of that in a community where um, it just wasn't part of our everyday life. And I think back in the 80s, um, when I was going to college, um, it still was not a highly surfaced issue. So, you know, here I'm uh, even a different generation with coming out of that and, and now really stepping in to fully understand and grow as if I'm a child relearning all of this because it requires that type of open-mindedness to throw away all the blinders that I may have lived with or the ignorance that I have let um, drive my beliefs. And it's time to shatter all that because I've had conversations and I know you and I'm and and your friends of mine and Heather we had the conversation where when all of this sparked you said I wonder where you went and embarrassed link embarrassingly I had to say I, I I didn't know what to say I I didn't know how to reach out because I was deeply affected um so my curiosity is extreme and i'm trying to hold that space open because all of the experiences and teaching and beliefs can come in and 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 block that out and the discipline is to allow space to learn because all of you can fill my soul my heart my mind with better thinking so thank you for opening up and for me, I'll start with this next round is, that is my great hope in the outcome, is that we do knock out those barriers that are so firm and put in place by our lack of ability to explore, 
our lack of ability to be vulnerable and our ignorance in just adopting beliefs without challenging them. Mm. And so then I'll, I'll go back and maybe we'll just reverse, reverse it this time, come around and, you know, what are your hopes, outcomes, takeaways that you would like to share with the listeners today? Do you want me to start? Yeah. Um, so I think as we all go through this from our own experience and what I have found out in these last five, six weeks is amaze me and surprise me in a way, like how much I did not know. And because as soon as all of this started and the protest started, like I started reading and watching some of the documentaries and every time <clears throat> I was in one of the conversations or read or like learned more, I was like, how come like for 21 years that I've been here, I haven't even done any of this before. And I have black and brown and all kinds of friends from all around the world. And how come I became, I, I stayed like ignorant. That was very surprising. So first of all, I felt like this is, there's so much more to learn, obviously, because what I have learned in these five weeks is like crazy different than what I have known. And so my first thing is like to learn more so that we can have more informed action. We always are talking more about action in our circles, right? In all my circles. Okay, talking is one thing and it's important. And we have to talk more about the uncomfortable uh, topics. But at the same time, when I take an action, I really want to be more informed. Not knowing the history or how we got here was really cre creating a gap for me. And even like I have suggested my book club to start reading a book about this. So we're reading the, Jim, the new Jim Crow book. And even there, one of my friends who is also Turkish American, she says that it's great that we're learning, but it's not about us. So we're, some of us are still there, right? I, I'm not like biased. I am not racist. So why am I the one who's getting this information and trying to learn more? And I'm of course over that by now, but because I'm sure I was feeling the same way and looking from the sidelines, I'm not biased, I'm not racist. So, but now we know it's not enough. So what I want for all the listeners or all of us is to definitely learn more because as I learn more, I'm saying, oh my God, I didn't know any of this before so that I can make a conscious effort on where to take action, right? Because there's so many issues in the world. We all take a part in what we believe. I always work for <clears throat> people in the workplace because that spoke more to my heart. Is there crazy other issues in the world like poverty and racism and everything, right? But now is the moment to give, pay attention to this. So I want to be more informed to take the informed action. That's what I'm hoping from this conversation, all the other learning that I'm doing. You know, I love you sharing so, so openly and candidly. And um, it, it's powerful when we think of if if I am not being an anti-racist, then I am remaining part of the problem, right? And and that's what I hear from you, Brooke. And, and there's this innocence about that, right? So 21 years ago, you came here from, you immigrated from Turkey. Um, and, and there's this innocence about it, but just 
um, as you said in your book club, where, you know, I want to be sensitive or we want to be empathetic to a different group of people. You know, why, why is this now, you know, something I need to step into? And, and I think breaking down that, that wall of innocence, right. And, and dismissal in a way um, and taking ownership is, is really wonderful invitation and encouragement. Thank you. Cordelia. Yeah. And thank you for that, Brooke. I mean, just to a little bit um, speak from the immigrant perspective, not for myself, but I, for 20 years, I've been married to someone from Bangladesh. And while he, like we pretty much have the same skin color, his position up until very recently, believe it or not, was like, well, you know, racism in America is nothing compared to what happens in Bangladesh. And so then that is the issue of colorism, right? So like, the best way to keep people oppressed is to divide and conquer. And so it happens everywhere in the world. And that's his world perspective. And believe it or not, that I think that's a world perspective that Black Americans have that we don't talk about either. And that's recently come up, right? Um, there's always been that, and that comes from directly from slavery. You know, if you're light, you're right. If you're brown, stick around. If you're Black, stay back you know, filled slaves to the ones that were the um, house slaves. And, you know, that still carries over at some unconscious level and keeps black people asleep, right? And then, um, of course, all the white people keep themselves asleep by what racism? <laughs> I'm not a racist, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, um, right, because we're all friends and we all get along until we don't. And then it's like, ooh, I don't even know why I don't like you. Oh, you happen to be black. How weird is that? Like, you know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, but I appreciate everyone like reading the books and watching the videos, but my caution is, you know, because. I do want people to lean into their deepest emotions, but stick with what's in front of you to some extent. You know yourself, right? And I want us to, we cannot heal if we don't protect our hearts. And when I say protect your heart, if you can't watch a horror flick, don't watch these videos of kids getting beat up. Don't, don't find out about all the black towns that got burned down in the past hundred years. Don't do it, right? If you are doing better by reading books and you can filter what that would have looked like, do that. Um, so that that's my caution going into all this. And I mean, you you know, me and Mike, we even though we connected a while ago on LinkedIn, until we had a charged exchange, we didn't really, you know, that was the thing, right? Like you being asleep, me to some extent being asleep. I'm just like, oh, you know, hey. <laughs> I, I, I'm so sorry that that happened to your town. And, and I was like, I felt like you were pounding back at me. So, but uh, you know what I mean? But in the end, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to misunderstand. I want to use this as an opportunity to connect and better understand. And right. So we got on the phone. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to credit you with that Cordelia, because you said, you know, Hey, um, this, this isn't, this isn't landing right, and 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 perhaps we should talk, right? So you you led that, you invited me in, um, and and there was an opportunity not to, right? It's it's just like there's a typical man of that age, there's your typical white guy coming in with, you know, not even realizing 
that um, he's causing me to feel a certain way. He's causing me to feel attacked with, with his response. And there's no understanding. Um, and, and you were, you know, strong and, and you were the, took the lead and taught me that this is where we reach out and have that conversation. Let's discover if that's true or not true. Um, and I'll have to say that um, I, I, I feel a closeness with you now because we had that conversation. Um, I'll be a champion of yours for many, many years to come because you demonstrated to me what's possible by doing the next right thing. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And I agree. I feel closer to you too. Um, you know, somebody has to help a bumbling idiot along the road, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm above reproach, but you know, it's just yeah. that day I got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's part of the healing journey, right? Is, is um, let's allow everybody to come in from the dot they're currently standing on. That we don't have to achieve some level or attain some accreditation to come into these conversations, you know, the entry point is the one in which we're standing on today. Um, but no longer, it, I believe, is it acceptable to stand on the sidelines. Uh, and, and that was a wonderful invitation. Heather, how about for you? Outcomes. You know, I just, I, I, my biggest hope is that we that we listen more to one another, kind of like what you just, um, you just demonstrated in that, in that example between you and Cordelia, that we listen more, uh, that we are better able to, to feel other people's pain, uh, it helps produce a different set of emotions in people more purposefully and intentionally, uh, coming from a place of awareness, and deep digging, um, not from just like guessing, but really seeking to understand and knowing what the right angles are to take. And that's going to be a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of work, um, as it always does, as it, as it did before this on lots of other topics. And this topic just requires us to go even deeper um, and to be more introspective and to dive more into the other people's shoes. And I have to say, during all this time, you know, there's, I realize there's been a lot of ignorance on my part, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who looks like me, who, who, they may not want to admit it, but that's truth. There's been a lot of deep dive, um, you know, trying to educate myself. Uh, yes, I have been the victim of micro, microaggressions many times for many reasons in my life. Uh, but at the same time, I have bias. I admit to the bias. I have bias, and it's probably never going to go away. Uh, I work at it when I realize whatever's happening. I, you know, whatever I, when I sense it, I, I work on it. But I, I think anybody who says they don't might want to go take some more time to educate themselves and maybe re just reflect to self-reflect. Um, but I think I would have to say that we all, are, many of us sit in a place of ignorance uh, from both, from all different sides. And um, and so I think we all just have to continue to work. We all have to work. Some of us have to work harder than others, uh, but I think we all have to continue to work at that uh, to get better, to become aware. Because awareness is, is the key. You know, it's the awareness and caring, right? So it's like 
I have this des I desire to change, as Brooke talks about, I have this desire to see more. I have this, I know I don't know enough, and so I have to continue, continue to search. So there's, a, like, there's that, there's the care, and there's knowing, and then there's just actually doing. And so there's that action that Brooke talked about earlier. Um, because we can talk about it and be aware all day, but if we aren't, if we don't seek to change, we don't set out to, to change and to be the change we're seeking in our own small little world inside of our own small little shoes, um, then nothing changes. Because when you think about it, organizations are made up of walls and they're legal entities. They're not, it, that's what they are. And so there's people that walk inside of those walls. And so if each one of those people commits to doing what you did between you and Cordelia and sitting down and having those kind of conversations that are complicated, that are painful, that are embarrassing, uh, if each person did that, where would, we be, where would we be? If that police officer who put their knee on his neck and caused him to die, if, if he had the ability to to have the awareness first to care that this person was going through pain, that this person could not breathe, right? That lack of just truly caring and understanding and empathy, it's missing in a huge way. But if each of us were to commit to changing that, where would we be? That's the question for me. You know, when, when, you, when you bring up the, the incident, I think back of the first time that I watched that nearly nine minute video and how my heart started racing and my, you know, my, my, my tension, my, my anger. And, and still when you just brought that up now, Heather, it, 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 I get that gut feeling where my stomach starts to turn. I can't believe what I'm watching. And, you know, Cordelia, you said if, if you can't watch the horror film, you know, don't watch. But, you know, in, in that situation, while I was feeling that way, I made myself watch that. And I've watched it again and again. And then I was compelled finally to go down to the site, the memorial of George, where there's the chalk outline, where, there, um, uh, where the, the neighborhood is out. And, I had conversations with some of those that knew George. And um, I asked them what was going on now. And uh, what was interesting is they were telling me that they have for much of their lives in that neighborhood felt invisible. And what a big change this has been. And to be standing you know, face to face with a couple of others and specifically one, one gentleman named Clark who we're gonna get together again and, and record a conversation. You know, George had been in his house. He's known him for a long time. Clark was a teacher yet had a hard time feeling like he was able, even able to provide an, an education for his children in an environment that they could grow and flourish. And, you know, there was just such, pain coming to me by hearing his true story and we were standing face to face and what i've learned is i can't ignore that anymore and um to to try to bring that same curiosity um because it's not morbid it's it's hopeful um we can actually change this and we don't have small voices heather the one thing i'm going to jump on there is the institutions that are large that have been around us since the 50s and 60s 
haven't been able to move the dial very far, but I believe in each one of you very, very much in each one of us and how we can collect a bunch of people together and continue to be open and drive these changes. So that's, that's my personal reflection. I have so much work to do, um, but I feel encouraged and I feel the love and support and the help from each of you to get there because you could easily say, hey, Mike, get off my side, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we either get to be part of the problem or part of the solution and that's, that, that is a binary situation. That is the one side of the fence or the other. Um, I think no longer is it acceptable just to be on the fence and have it not be our problem because people I love, my friends are affected. And that type of diminishment can no longer take place. We can't tolerate it. Um, so any reactions to each other? Some of the things that was said, What? Like what's coming up that you'd like to react to, share? Yeah, first, first of all, Cordelia, thanks for saying take care of your heart. Uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to find that balance too because I want to know more because I think at the same, we were feeling like, okay, this is all happening. We all knew it. But the watching those or learning that hard realities was so hard, so uncomfortable, we were trying to stay away from it. But now we can't stay away from it, but I cannot lose sleep every night because I watch those things either too, right? So thanks for saying that because it made me think, okay, take a breath. You don't have to do it 24 hours a day and you have to be <laughs> consciously choosing when to do it because I'm not doing that book or that documentary at the middle of the night because it does really affect me profoundly. So thank you for that. And what Heather, you were saying about, we all have biases, so, so true. And when I was studying that in psychology, like unconscious bias is something we all have to deal with. And it's so nice to be able to say, I really, I'm not a racist. I really, I'm so equal to everyone. We want to say that, but we know it's not true. And even I, it made me even remember like when I was looking for a job after 9-11, um, a career counselor told me to change my name. And she says like, you put Özlem, which is my original name, on a resume and people will not maybe call you in. Just not even like to take the phone now because they can't pronounce it. They don't know what this name is about. If you're female, male. She says, do you have a nickname? I said, yeah, I use Brooke in my Starbucks orders. That's how it all the Brooke came wow. up. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and really, it's like it was my old nickname that I was only using in Starbucks. And she made me change that. It's so funny. Last week... I'm always telling companies to do hiring unbiased where they don't know anything about the candidate, not the color of their skin, not their name, not their LinkedIn file, no resume, nothing. And that, that guy who, who I'm working with in this showed me three pictures of the same person. And it was so funny because this was a Turkish person. First, they put a name, a German name to that. And then they put a Turkish name to that same woman. And then they put the same Turkish name, but with how Cordelia looks like. She was covered. And it showed how each and every time the people who called her for an interview dropped dramatically. 
Wow. It was so funny wow. that this guy from UK was talking to me, and it was a Turkish name that she, he was using as an example. And a woman in Germany, because I can tell, because I know who goes to Germany and who works from the Turkish uh, citizen. So it was, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, all that unconscious bias that we deal with every day is real. And unless we see that in ourselves, we're not going to be able to have these important conversations, really. So you both made me think and take a deep breath, but also like make me conscious of what I had to go through, even with my name. So anyways, you know the name of the Brook name, where it came from, okay? Yeah. I always <laughs> wanted to ask you that, so yes. thank you. Really? <laughs> yes, that's how it all started. Because yeah, I was like, I have yeah. so many friends named Oslam. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Really? You do? Not I a do. lot of people do, yeah. But anyway, so <laughs> I don't think there's anything else that, uh, you know, as, as far as, I mean, the one thing I do have to say is when I had my call with uh, my LinkedIn live with Cordelia, Cordelia that was an, that was an, you know, enlightening one for me because again, really her enlightenment made me realize my ignorance. And that's not a bad thing. Like that's, I, that's the key is that, you know, for all of us, if we were just like that open, you know, just standing there and like taking it in and going, wow, there's a lot, I don't know. Like I need to get to knowing, like I need to get to learning, which is what, you know, Brooke was doing. I think, I, I do think that's part of it. I mean, I don't, I don't think we can let learn our way out of racism, <laughs> really. I mean, I kind of feel like some of it is just, the only learning I think that takes place is l learning how our actions impact others and how we make leave people feeling when we say and do certain things to them like that's to me the most powerful learning that we can all gain from all this maybe the you know the books and the movies and stuff might have a set set us down a course or give us um, you know just to increase our awareness and then allow us to then go have the conversations but we we have to have the uncomfortable conversations i think like i said i think cordelia and mike demonstrate that beautifully that those are the types of things we have to have but you know, going further back, I, I believe, I mean, we, a few of us here have multiple, multiple children, and I do believe it starts at home. I think much of this starts with what are we, you know, what are we telling our little, little teen, little 18-month-old and our two, two-year-old and our, you know, it just starts there because that person and every, I'm, I'm pointing to this one character in this, you know, the person who did this thing, George Floyd, but there's thousands of others in our, like, lot it's just ugly the history right um but if each one of them you know if their parents raised them a certain way and and talked to them a certain way and shared certain things and, and didn't have funny body language when certain people came around you know just all these types of things if they didn't perpetuate that early on there would be we'd be in a lot better place and so that that person who put the knee on the neck you have to imagine if you go back some years what was taught um either by words or by actions and their parents what was taught now i know that you they say that you know people who are you know axe murderers and like killed many people sometimes they come from normal homes and the one child turns out just perfectly fine and one doesn't and i i, I understand that there's psychosis there i get that stuff right so i'm not saying that that we're going to take that out of it but when i'm thinking about this and i just see how much impact i have i can hear how my children repeat things that i say or my husband says that are that i'm like oh i don't like that and i know i or my husband or my mom or whatever, like something had impacted that. I, that's where I'm wanting to start from. Like I can see, you know, Cordelia 
and I doing collaboration on something with you know, something with uh, parents and children because she, you know she has and um, and we have multiple boys who are going to face this issue you know in their in their future and so it just it, parents you just have to get a clue that's fabulous Heather and you know I encourage everybody go out and 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 take a look at Heather's um, talk on on her TEDx talk, which is out on YouTube, Heather Younger, um, because Heather, I, I think it's really important. Um, you know, you share so well the the possibilities of opening up and growth and the resilience that grows through you know growing up in a in a biracial home and what you felt even as a kid. And so when you talk about parenting. You know, you go back into your own experiences of, of, of how you just, you know, tremendously overcame, and you share that so freely and um, vulnerably and open with us. And I, I just, I just really respect your strength and in, in stepping up and helping us all understand that. And then also just for clarity with the, with the listeners as this goes out and and is heard, um, it went silent for a moment when you were saying. You have four kids, and Cordelia has five. And um, I six, didn't want any six. six. Have five. I have five. Where am I yes, in this conversation? Um, it, it 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 silenced out for a second. I didn't want people to think that we were we were uh, we were scratching that out or or. Oh, editing. okay. So, <laughs> no, so. I think that's critical right now. I do. I really do. Um, and so I know that she and I will be. At, you know, working and collaborating because that that is a point that should not be lost on those that are listening that you know you're hearing messages of hope and uh hope and resilience of collaboration of uh you know seeking to understand of helping people understand of caring all of these messages you're hearing from two people who've had an interesting journey who have an interesting history and then have children who are going to be having like be the direct um benefactors let's just say of our, our, meaning our nation, our world's ability and desire to understand right now and to seek to change right now. And so um, I just think, um, I, I thank you, Mike, for bringing us into this because I think we're kind of two perfect examples of, of um, this all coming together and, and also um, compassion, like that we both have compassion or others that we we want them to understand and we're taking our time to to facilitate that learning. And I just wanted to add, oh. Go ahead, go ahead, please. I was, just because we're talking about parenting, the other side of that, right, is how we receive our kids when they have those experiences, right? Because my son, he had some experiences very early on and he, because of the way I raised him, he was like, I don't really understand why people have a problem with my skin color. Is there something wrong with me, you know? So like um, my, my kids are from like darker than me to about Olsum's complexion, you know? So I've got a wide range and so they have different experiences. So the way we receive them and understand how they're feeling and then, you know, giving them uh, a higher quality of understanding how to uh, to deal with those situations is is super crucial. You know, we don't want them to be afraid or okay, don't do this, don't go there. No, nope. you know, just let them know. So me and Heather, yeah, we'll we'll dig into that. <laughs> <laughs>
And I think like bright parents like Mike and myself, although I'm coming from a whole different side of the world, I have, I happen to be white. Uh, but then it has a, we have a lot of responsibility for that too. So when Cordelia, your son comes in like, why do people act differently because of the skin of my color? Then it falls on us, right? The people who are raising kids and I don't have, you have four, five, six, what are you? I shouldn't be involved, but I'm thinking I have only one. So anyway, but at the same time, even if I, if you raise one, if you just yes. just sure that you do raise them, like not making that difference. So I think there's a huge responsibility for white parents on how to raise their white kids too, because that's where the whole thing starts from, right? So I totally am with you, Heather. It starts from home. And I also like Mike has read my book, I think. So one big thing that I think the world needs and I keep on telling is like I had been to a youth camp with 66 people from different countries. That's when I got to understand we were all the same. Until I got there when I was 20, all I heard was politics, how this country is not getting along with this country, what you, this country is doing to the other. Then I met the people of these countries and I'm saying, oh my God, we're exactly the same. I always wish for everyone to have a similar experience. It's something to be done at home, but if everybody had my experience, I am telling you, it would have been a different world. You really get to know very young that everybody is the same. What is all of that? You understand it's like a superstitious, crazy level that people are talking about our differences. And then you go somewhere like that, you say, oh my God, we're exactly the same. I will never forget that feeling. And that's why I wanted to repeat that experience in the United States, because we all look up to United States from around the world, believe it or not. You say, oh my God, look at this most diverse country. I want to live there and have exactly that same experience. 66 people from 66 different countries. Where can I have that? United States. That's where mm. you end up being here. I'm not kidding. So. Brooke, I uh, I always love, I've said this before, but I've always loved your, there's just a, a, a certain level of innocence that's in you. It just speaks to me. And I think that you're exactly the type of person that we need to be out there because you're going at, when, how we started with Mike, you're going out with so much curiosity and desire to learn and then desire to change. And it's, so there's, it's like childlike. And I don't mean that that's a, that's a positive thing for me. You know, that's not a put down. And I think we have to have more people going into this like that, like just like a child, like just wondering and, uh, you know, just seeking it out, you know, as you have and continue to do. So uh, thank you for being an ally in that way. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And thank you for recognizing that you, before you open your mouth, people see you as a white woman. Because yeah. a lot of immigrants don't recognize that. They're just like, I'm not white, I'm wherever I'm from, like, you yeah. know, yeah. And even when you mark those application forms, I had to apply for hundreds of jobs at some point. Like, of course you say, go, 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 go. Which one do I pick? You only can find white. Once in a while it will also say Caucasian. Okay, that's it. I mean, and then I came here, just think about that. I came here through a green card lottery program and it was called something diversity. 
And I was wondering, how come this, this country still wants more diversity? This is so wonderful. And when we read it, it was really for certain countries who, are, who don't have enough citizens in the United States, like my country, had like 3,000 per people to be accepted every time there was a lottery. And of course, they look at your background and do lots of interviews. So it's not like some people say, lottery, ooh, so everybody's here. No. Of course not, but think about that. It was a diversity program so that not only one nation's citizens are outgrowing here in numbers, but people who are not represented as my little country have a chance to come here and be a legal citizen. Think about that country. I mean, you are in all you admire. I said, oh my God, this is definitely the country I want to live in, right? So. And this is the strength of the United States. That's what I am so passionate about. Let's not lose that. And I wish it was much more mystical and magical than I, that the way I thought it was in, when, when I was 20. Now I know it's not. But at the same time, let's, let's figure out a way to make this happen. Because it is the biggest strength. And if you don't know it, everybody in the world usually looks up to the United States for this reason the diversity that this country has, really. So. You know, and I really hope that we can embrace that and go forward, right? And um, certainly we can't diminish any group of people. And we have done that um, intentionally, unintentionally, certainly systemically for a very long time. And, you know, my, my overall belief that, that, that fits with, you know, the work with Humans First is it really is going to take all of us to create the type of change that is, you know, both significant and enduring, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if we need um, significant sustainable change to get on a path where we're um, caring for each other, and moving forward through the challenges that we still face. Um, we're being tested through some of those now. There are more to come, certainly. Um, and we need to be able to lift all of the best people to the surface, all of those around us. We need to um, have at our side full strength to, to make that change. And um, by selecting from a small pool that's familiar from our our background or heritage or our neighborhoods is not allowing the greatest possibilities to take place um, and you know i hope people are open to learning and we can do it at any age and you know being the the gray-haired person on this call that came from a high school that only um you didn't have to point at that heather <laughs> Um, you know, there wasn't any diversity in my high school. The, the, the three black people in my class that I graduated with were brought in under a program called A Better Chance. And they were, they were brought here from New York to be part of this school that I grew up in. And, you know, there, it was non-diverse. It was all white. Um, you know, the, the diversity was was blonde or dark hair, right? So is um, there's a long way to go from growing up in that place to being here with you 
as open-minded as I can possibly be, knowing that what I experienced in my childhood is not what is necessary for others to experience. And we can do so much better and we need to do it together. And we need all the good people to rise. Um, the, so any final reflections before we, we, we close this out and package it up and share it out with the world? I just want to add, you know, like, sadly, I guess you were in high school in the 80s. And when I was going to university in the 90s, um, I was actually, I, I was given a, an academic scholarship to University of Vermont for the same reason, right? You just had to have a 3.0 and they, they just wanted to have black people in the state because it was the whitest state in 1990. So, <laughs> you know, but it, but now apparently they have like, it's a very diverse, uh, well, at least Burlington is a very diverse um, town and it has a lot of Muslims there and black people and everybody else. So, you know, and I know my, my family is originally from Chicago and I know that a lot of them went on that exodus to Minneapolis. So I'm pretty sure Minneapolis doesn't look the way it did when you were in high school either. No, no, you know, and um, so the diversity has grown tremendously. In, in Minneapolis and and um, and continues and and it's you know hopefully we're going to embrace that and become a community that can can lead the way and demonstrate what's been possible ever since it was you know I I, I re reference in my book there's um, the 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 pursuit of wow that was written you know way back in 1994 and it came out and said you know hey look around any neighborhood any street in america right now and it does not look like the lily white neighborhoods that you know were of the 50s and 60s and and we still haven't done a great job embracing that right like i would love it if the three of you lived on my cul-de-sac it would be a fabulous world my life would be better by having all of you near me and um, I really believe we can get to that point where we are seeing each other for who we are. I see Brooke as a white woman, you know, that's immigrated here, um, you know, from, from Turkey. I, I see Cordelia as a black um, Muslim that I embrace and can learn from and our children can grow together and gain that perspective um, because their world will be clearer for them. They'll have a better foundation to navigate from. Um, you know, Heather, the, the, the biracial and, and, um, um, and, the, and the religious background that, that you grew up with, right? That, that we can learn from those experiences and our experiential learning is so much greater than the intellectual learning. They go hand in hand, they're both necessary, but how unfortunate that, you know, those who learn by experiences and their negative experiences don't have as great of a chance as those that grow up with positive experiences without those barriers. And all of us that don't have barriers, it's our responsibility to take them down for others. Um, and all you are helping me and many others step into that. And I hope you reach back out and let me know how I or we 
or all of us listening can step in and help you take the barriers down also. Yeah, one thing I would just, my closing comment would be, um, it's okay if you had negative experiences and that's how you learned, you know, it, there's just no better time than today to change the conversation, to change how you show up, to change what you focus on and how you treat people. There's just no better time today than today. So I would just say, cast all the other, cast the past aside, your past aside. Uh, it, it, it's gonna, it could, you can use it to fuel you. You can use it to fuel you. Yeah, and that's what I say, like, instead of feeling guilt or shame, let's take the responsibility and now own the problem together because whose problem it is, is not today it might be Black Lives, the next day it's gonna be somebody else, but now is the moment, and like I said in the beginning, let's not lose the moment. That's why it's important that you're making this platform available, Mike, you and Gary, and no matter how many conversations we have, it's good. All of us, whoever can listen to what, it's all going to be useful for the humanity, really. Don't we want the dignity of everyone, the voice of everyone at the workplace? That's what we all are about. And this is even on a bigger level, right? This is a macro level of what we're trying to do in the workplace. So, yeah, thank you for inviting us and having this platform. Thank you. Virgilia? I mean, the only thing I would add to those lovely closing remarks is, you know, slow down each interaction and see who you're speaking to and, and take the time to, to be with that person and be present so that you see them as a reflection of your own humanity. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Beautiful. We will have all of this wrapped up into show notes that will be shared for the listeners so they know how to reach out, connect with each of you and, and, um, and continue to explore and learn. But I want to thank um, Heather, Cordelia, Oslam, Brooke Errol for coming in with me and um, having this exploration along with the audience and you know, there's, there's, there's going to be so much more that we can do live, online, together to continue this journey. So thank you very much for your willingness, your hope, and the love that you share with the world. Thank, you. thank you, Mike. Thank you. Hi there, Gary Turner here. I just wanted to share a few of my personal reflections. Really nice actually not being the host for a change so I could really dive deep into the, the conversation even more and, and really listen with my heart as well as my head. And I think what was really fascinating was just the depth of the exploration and the meandering through this topic. It's just beautiful. And what I want to do is just leave you with a couple of my personal key takeaways from each of Brooke, Cordelia and Heather, in case that's helpful for you as you kindly listen to us today. So with regard to what Brooke shared, I loved it as she spoke to this thing around, don't, let's not lose the moment. There is this energy, there is this um, appetite, there is this desire, um, there is this visibility um, of the race conversation following George Floyd's murder. And of course, that is not the first time as, as, as I've had to acknowledge, you know, there's been many, unfortunately, 
other people that have passed before him uh, due to dodgy circumstances. But there is an energy, there is a there is a momentum right now, and we should not lose that moment. I fully um, subscribe to that with Brooke. Also, she shared that unconscious bias is real, and unless we see it in ourselves, we can't have real conversations. Uh, in case you're interested, I wrote actually a piece back in February um, for HR Zone, um, speaking about actually acknowledging my own unconscious bias and how that showed up in the past. So in case that's interesting, that could be helpful for you. Cordelia shared some also very, very uh, insightful comments such as stick with what's in front of you, protect your heart. And she's really referencing there, you know, we can, and I made this mistake myself um, after, after becoming aware of George Floyd's murder, is that I, you know, I, I ran into, I ran headlong into it, but I ran into it with sympathy and with reaction and not really proaction and presence and grace. Um, so I sort of made the situation worse for myself and those around me for a period of time. So we really do need to, to we do need to lean in. We do need to be aware. We do need to all play our part, but we need to do it in a way that makes sure that it protects our heart and that we don't just run in blindly. And that's what I took away from Cordelia's comment. Also, she said that the way we receive our children and understand their experiences is critical. And I would build on that. One of the big things I've learned the last uh, few weeks has been around the fact that are we even educating our children? Are we even, how do we actually talk to our kids about, you know, when you see another person of color or someone that doesn't look or sound like you, embrace them fully, be positive, go and learn about them, ask them how they are. You know, I'm using a phrase more and more now. I've always cared about inclusion, but one of my mantras now is running headlong into difference. So they're celebrating difference, which is great. And I think that's a positive thing to do. But that could be seen to be a little bit passive. No, I want to be sort of super proactive and run head on into um, difference. And I'm really looking forward to my first grandchild leaving out to test that paradigm with them. And finally, Heather Young has shared also some great insights where she said we need to listen more so we are better able to feel others' pain. Such a such a rich and deep reflection that the more we can listen. The more we can empathize, the more we can understand, the better we can feel other people's pain. And surely that's got to be the whole point of these conversations is how we better understand one another's pain. And also Heather shared that if we don't set out to be the change we are seeking, nothing will change. And well, talk, talk about speak directly to Gandhi's famous quote around being the change. Just so, so, so powerful. You know, we can't sit on the sideline and wait for other people to fix racism. We can't sit on the sideline and wait for other people to to make things better we are all part of this and i really hope i believe mike and i believe that the more we can have these conversations and you are all invited and we would love to invite you into these conversations so please do have a listen well i'm hoping you have listened but if, if you're just listening to the end um let us know what you think um, are you curious are you interested um these are intentionally facilitated conversations they're safe um, we ensure that everybody is seen and heard we really hope that you will reach out to each of Brooke, Cordelia, Heather, and indeed Mike, using their contact details, which you can find in the show notes. Let's keep the conversation going. Let's continue to learn from one another. Let's continue to learn in. Let's continue to run head on into the difference. And we will heal collectively and individually as we go forward. I love this conversation. So thank you, Mike, Brooke, Cordelia, and Heather. And until episode 123 of this podcast, be safe, be well, and stay curious. Thank you so much. really hoping 
that you enjoyed that exploration on the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. You can find out much more about HexoChange at hexochangenow.com. That's H-E-X-O-Change-Now, one word, dot com. You can subscribe to a weekly newsletter at that website, which includes information about live stream conversations, further service offerings, blogs, but also our in-person events, of which we have multiple each year. So I really hope that you'll join us. Do connect with me, Gary Turner, on LinkedIn, and I really hope to hear from you soon.